Hello and welcome to another episode of A Slice of Health, the Candid Health Chat podcast, where we slice away health truth from health fiction. Join me and my friends as we challenge common health myths via chit chat, powered by several cups of coffee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media and do visit us at a sliceofhealth.club. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome health champions to another episode. It's me, MDO, destroying the culture of silence around health in black communities. Today we are talking about maternity and childbirth again. And I know that you're going to feel like I am a broken record with this, but it's so important for us to have these conversations, especially because of the mortality and morbidity associated with it in black communities. Today we have another midwife who also has an amazing set of pipes on her lungs and can sing a tune, Tome Ayalare. Welcome, Tome. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we jump into the episode, tell us a lot about yourself. Um, so <laughs> I am a midwife, obviously. Um, I've been qualified probably about nine, coming to eight, nine years. Um, I work mainly between um, delivery suite and the postnatal ward and I've um, been like transitional care unit lead. Um, I sing as well <laughs> with my family. Um, that's really like the the main part of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do come from quite a musical family, don't you? Yes, very musical, <laughs> very musical. I mean, we all do it. Um, um, our musical on the side, but then I'll have our own professions as well. Um, so yeah, but um, that comes from my dad's side of the family. Yeah, that, <laughs> Actually, that... to get, it's in the name anyway. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. We're, quite musical that is amazing and so you've been doing midwifery now for nine years what <laughs> drove you to say you know this is what I want to do and this is what I'm passionate about um I think there was one time so my mom was a midwife um so that definitely opened my eyes to it um and I remember like she would come back home, like say with cards and someone would write something saying, oh, thank you for this. And I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. That seems quite rewarding. And then I remember being at church one time and there was a retirement party for someone that was a midwife and they were talking about it. I was like, oh, that seems like a really rewarding career. But I was really young then, but it's stuck in my head. So I think about, I think I was about eight Eight, eight years old but it always stuck and I remember like through high school they're like oh what do you want to be what do you want to be and I was like a midwife but I was always told oh you know it's quite hard to get onto that course maybe don't apply for that apply for nursing first that kind of thing but then in my head I was like I knew I wanted to do midwifery um so it was hard to try and push for that but thankfully um I managed to get onto a midwifery course um a year after leaving college um and then like started my 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 journey from there but yeah it's something that i've i'm blessed in the sense that i've always known what i wanted to do um whilst for other people it's quite the sometimes actually for midwifery a lot of people come into it later um so um it's yeah it's something that i've always wanted to do and i'm doing it so so yeah that's a little bit about me yeah that is really awesome and i think what you said as well about sort of people coming into it later on as well so I think when I was in med school as well, and I did my obstetric rotation, I noticed that a lot of women that were in training had already had a couple of babies of their own mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And yeah. they'd had a few different careers as well. Yeah. And they were like, actually, you know what? I really want to help other women when they're mm -hmm. you know, coming mm -hmm. into 
their, their mm-hmm. journey of motherhood and, and that's mm-hmm. amazing and mm-hmm. how obviously this year 2020 there's been quite a lot about being black and mm-hmm. uh, being black in in the uk being black all around the world judge floyd's death you know really raised up this outcry about about being black and we had an episode recently on being a black woman in healthcare um and we were sort of a panel discussion and lots of things were raised there but as from your point of view how has it been as a black woman in healthcare and in midwifery where we know that there's a high mortality rate especially for black women in and around childbirth at a rate five times how does that affect you and what experiences have you had in relation to race um, I think I would say, so obviously, uh, I, I forgot to mention this before, part of the reason why I wanted to become a midwife was to be, you know, to help women mm-hmm. um, and give like better experiences with, you know, childbirth and so on. And I think everything coming to light, it's not, it's it's come to light, but it's something that a lot of black midwives would have known was going on anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like, okay, the world is fine. It's it, People are talking about it. Um, I think um, I've, I've seen things where I'm like, I notice that there's a difference, but it's very hard to um, prove. It's not even that, it's not, my, it's not my job to prove, but to show people that actually we are part of the problem. So for you know a long time, I think with issues within black people and healthcare, the narrative has always been pushed that um, it's a black um, problem in the sense of, oh, you know, um, their, their health isn't as good or this isn't as good, that kind of thing, but not realising that actually some of the, um, the issues are created by people's attitudes. So the high mortality rate is created by, you know, people's attitudes to black women in labour, black women in pain. Um, and I think it's just like speaking about that more. It's, it's, I think the hard thing about healthcare is the fact that, you know, we're you, everyone identifies themselves as a good person in healthcare. You know, I, I, I'm either a doctor, I'm a midwife, I'm a nurse, you know, I'm a good person, I want to help people. So it's hard to actually tell these good people that actually know you're doing something wrong. Um, and I think that's the hardest part to <laughs> try and navigate through when I'm trying to, you know, educate staff and say, actually, no, there's certain things that we've been told in our training that actually, no, that, that's wrong. So for, for an example, like, it, in, and I've checked this with other midwives, so it, like you hear things like, oh, you know, black women are more expressive in labour, that kind of thing. And I've all and I was I was t- talking about it at work, and I was like, the problem is, is that 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 is such a dangerous thing to say because, for an example, if I came in in labour, and you know, say if I was my um, I had a ruptured uterus, I was rupturing that kind of thing, and I was I was screaming in pain, that kind of thing. I don't like the idea that people think, oh, she's just, you know, naturally more expressive, especially in an area of midwifery where seconds and minutes count. Mm -hmm. The fact that my cry is acted on less, not as quickly as, say, a white woman's cry exposes me to the higher risk of actually dying when you think about it and it's trying to have conversations like that with people to be like, okay, this is an example. So people... They, they, you know, they set aside thinking, oh, no, we wouldn't treat you differently. But actually, if I wasn't, if I didn't work in that hospital, you didn't know who I was. And I came in screaming. If you literally just thought, you know, oh, she, you know, she's a black woman, she's more expressive. You might take your time more and not pay as much attention. So actually, let's listen. What's what's going on? Like, let's do all the checks quickly. Because actually, the element of speed saves lives too. 
Um, but yeah, so all of it, it's just trying to, you know, educate people and, you know, tell people actually that we, there are problems that are creating to the, adding to this statistic. And, you know, if we can change our attitudes, it can help lower the statistic. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It or... really does. And, you know, two things that you said there in terms of healthcare, people working in healthcare and are good people. And mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we do in healthcare, we sacrifice a lot. You know, we, mm -hmm. we go up, we do 12 hour shifts and we've not got mm -hmm. to the toilet to pee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, you know, we're working so hard trying to make sure that everybody else is okay. And so we, we have this sense of um, honor amongst ourselves. Yeah. However, there is quite a significant level of unconscious bias that exists towards black mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And like you said, being taught that we are more expressive or exaggerating the levels mm -hmm. of pain that we're in and that that costs lives mm -hmm. in a lot of situations. And you know it's it it goes back to the slave trade in America when Sims did mm -hmm. so many operations on black mm -hmm. women without analgesia and that has then become a per pervasive thing that oh yeah we mm -hmm. can tolerate pain. Yeah. We, don't need, we don't need as much analgesia and if we mm. are requesting for more then we are being demanding or mm. you know mm. we are exaggerating the amount of pain mm. that we're in and this is why it's such an issue in childbirth as you said because time is so critical um and you know you you, you lose one pint of blood you lose a second pint of blood before you know it you've got yeah. cerebral ischemia and and you're gone um, yeah. and you know and, and 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 that would have just been the difference between somebody actually listening to you and someone yeah. just saying, no, she's okay, she's okay, she's okay. By the third, she's okay. You know, yeah. you, could, you could be gone. And yeah. um, so going on from that, so we've had quite a lot of talks recently on the podcast relating to this issue. Mm -hmm. And the last episode we had, we talked about postnatal depression following childhood um, trauma in childbirth. Mm -hmm. um, and that is also something that is not so much talked about in our in our culture, in terms of the fact that if you have a traumatic childbirth, it can significantly affect yeah. your mental health afterwards. And mm -hmm. I think in our culture as well, we have this thing of, oh yeah, you just keep going on, you just keep plodding mm -hmm. on. Your mother did it, and her mother before mm -hmm. her did it, and you're mm -hmm. a black woman and you're strong, and mm -hmm. you continue with this. What would mm -hmm. you say to that that mindset? Um, I would say um, acknowledge your trauma mm. um, definitely seek for a debrief as well um, just because that, that definitely helps um, they should actually there's now performers in which if there is a traumatic delivery they should come and debrief you and I think it's about six to eight weeks later they, they, they invite you back for an appointment for mm. a debrief again mm. um, and it's accepting that. So definitely, if any service that is offered to you, I think it's important to be open to it and to accept it because they're acknowledging actually these women do need this debrief. They do need talking through their notes. They do need, you know, there's they need a bit more attention. Um, and also, I think part of being strong is acknowledging the fact that actually I might be struggling. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's, you know, the whole mental health and it's it's a bit of a taboo in the black culture, but we definitely need to just start talking more about it because the amount of people that even, even from our parents' generation that say, oh, they came to England. Like I remember one time having a conversation with somebody that was my mom's age and they were like, you know, they really struggled. Like they were like, oh, I was so sad. I, I was on my own here, that kind of thing. And the way they described it, I was like, that's postnatal depression. It wasn't like after shortly after they had their baby, I was like, that was depression, but you couldn't speak to anyone about it. 
Um, and it's, if you don't talk also, no one will know that you're going through it. Um, and it's just, I, I, th I think it's trying to normalize the topic. So I'm not saying normalize depression. I'm saying normalize speaking about mental health, yeah. normalize, you know, saying, oh, actually I'm, I'm struggling. So even with my ladies, when I discharge them, I say, you know, obviously on day three to day five, you, you might experience a baby blues, but if it goes on for longer, like tell someone, if you think actually this isn't normal, tell someone it might not it, it might we might even be able to give you extra support so it doesn't go down the line of you know full bone pulse natal depression and you're completely isolated that kind of thing so yeah it's almost like in this area don't think about culture think about yourself mm -hmm. think about your needs because mm -hmm. it's not your culture that will get you out of it in that sense there's aspects of the culture that are brilliant in the sense that you're not isolated we've got more people that come around you people that visit more that kind of thing but in my head, I'm like, what's the point in having that beautiful part of the culture, but you still feel alone? Yeah. So it's using it to the advantage, you know, and just talking about it more, really talking about it. Yeah, definitely. And going into talking about culture and childbirth, as mm. a professional, what would you classify as a, what would you say a normal delivery is? And the reason for that is, um, especially because our culture is so religious, in mm. in the way we do things there has been quite a lot of stigma talking about delivery and you know saying oh i don't want a cesarean section because that is mm. not how i'm supposed to deliver a baby i don't want an epidural because i'm a strong woman and mm. i'm supposed to be able to take pain um and you know not talking about these these things and mm. refusing even to the point of death which which does happen in in a lot of cultures in nigeria and a lot of settings in nigeria because a lot of people have been taught that you deliver supernaturally like the what what you know what they describe as the hebrew women in the yeah. bible and there's been a lot of you know just doing research on that there's been a lot of studies on that actually that mm. a lot of people are actually putting that out of context and misunderstanding yeah. what that really was but what would you say about that in terms of women being so resistant to cesarean sections or epidurals mm. because mm. culture has taught them that it's not correct? Um, so, I mean, so we would medically, so a normal vaginal delivery is it like a normal vaginal delivery. So, um, so even, even the fact that, you know, we call it a normal vaginal delivery, I think it's, um, it explains what it is, but then obviously once you deviate from the not, everyone wants to be normal, mm -hmm. um, but once you, um, and I say that with quotation marks, <laughs> but once, <laughs> once you deviate, so obviously they don't, you, you don't class a cesarean section as a normal way of delivering, but in my head, you know, and medically it's an intervention. So mm -hmm. they're like, there's a lot of instances where it's needed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, so like, for an example, so cesarean sections, one in four women in UK have cesarean sections. Um, whilst um, in West, the West Africa, I think it's about 4%. Mm. Um, and in Nigeria, it's about 2%. So there's 2% of people having cesarean sections in Nigeria, but it has, I think it's almost the fourth highest mortality rate in the world. Mm. So obviously, there's a need for intervention that that we're not using yeah um and that like we were saying that could be due to you know the cultural um aspect of it um 
and I think it's a shame because obviously, like I said, it's an intervention. So things like an obstructive labour, you would need a cesarean section. Things like mild presentation for some, and for some ladies, a cesarean section helps them um, because they're unable to deliver vaginally. Um, you get things like um, placenta previa, where we would never advise you know trying to attempting a normal vaginal delivery so these are ways in which so if the that's if it's only say two percent these instances they need the intervention of the cesarean section no matter how you know how much you say you want a normal delivery actually this intervention it's it's a blessing in a way do you know what i mean so it's 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 trying to change the way they think about it i'm not trying to normalize cesarean sections no but i'm trying to you know get people to understand that actually it's, it's not a bad thing there's a time and a place um i think um what well, what was the end of your, the the last bit of your question yeah so i think i'm, I'm really, yeah so that that was basically it and i think mm -hmm. the um what you said about giving the statistics is so important because mm -hmm. you know if you're seeing that 25 percent of the women in the uk are having cesarean sections mm. and in Nigeria it's two percent but our maternal mortality is still so extreme then obviously mm. there is need for intervention mm. and what you know especially for people who don't understand that their life is on the line mm. and also maybe in that moment maybe mm. you know they've built up in their head that no I'm, I'm gonna have only a normal delivery I'm gonna have mm. only a normal delivery and when it comes when push comes to shove mm. it's what they already normalized in their mind that they can only hold on to yeah. what would you say to people listening now who are not there yet about how important it is to have the intervention if it is mm -hmm. being offered to you because mm -hmm. recently on instagram i saw someone talking about how she was almost bullied into having a cesarean section and mm -hmm. she refused and she refused and a lot of nigerian women were encouraging her for mm -hmm. sharing that but I, I thought to myself and i said you know somebody could read that and mm. then say, oh, well, she, she was bullied into, almost bullied into having a cesarean section. I'm, nobody's, I'm not going to allow anybody to bully me. Mm. And they're telling you that, you know, you've got placenta previa or yeah. your baby, your, there's significant obstruction, mm. you know, there's reduced fetal heart rate, but she's refusing that because she's already had, had this mindset. Yeah. You say to people now to try to change their mindset to understand that, you're not being bullied into this. Yeah. You're trying yeah. to save your life to get yeah. you to a point where a healthy mom and a healthy baby are yeah. leaving the birth yeah. suite. Yeah, I think I, th I think that's the main thing. As in, like, what what's what's your goal at the end? Like, at the end of so yes, being a midwife, I'm all for advocating normal deliveries. Mm. I try my best to try and, you know get the, a lady to deliver normally like within my <laughs> what i can physically do whether mm. it's positioning good nutrition that kind of thing talking them coaching them through labor that kind of thing but there are some women that need the intervention mm -hmm. and my thing is as a midwife i want to be with the woman and create a, a a good birthing experience i'm not saying how that experience should how like that the way that baby should come out so i'm not saying oh i only create you know good birthing experiences through normal vaginal deliveries no mm -hmm. even when you have a section i'm in the theater with you so the outcome for us as healthcare professionals is for you to leave with a, a well mom and a well baby however that comes you know that that may not be what you've pictured in your mind that it would be a section but actually the goal at the end of it 
is to be like, wow, actually, I've given birth. Whether you have a cesarean section or not, you've still given birth. <laughs> and I think it's changing that mindset, not stripping yourself down as in, oh, you know, I didn't give birth. No, it's not natural, that kind of thing. You have given birth. That, that in itself is so empowering. Even before you get to the point of giving birth, you created life. And I think it's acknowledging that to be actually, no, why am I fighting this? Um, obviously, you know, there's, I think sometimes with it being a, a taboo and, you know, like you were saying the story about a lady speaking about, you know, she, that she was bullied into it. And a lot of, you know, Nigerian women were saying, oh, that's good. She stuck up for herself. She did that. I think be, with it being a taboo, there's a lot of Nigerian women that have sections, whether it be in Nigeria or even mainly in the UK that don't talk about it and don't say actually this section was life-saving mm -hmm. I am here today because I had my section do you understand but because there's a taboo there's a shame mm -hmm. and people don't speak about it mm -hmm. so all you hear um, about a section from a Nigerian woman is oh yeah they tried to do that they tried to do this but I said no that kind of thing which again inflames <laughs> like it, it makes the situation almost worse mm -hmm. um, uh, but I would I would say to someone thinking, okay, they definitely do not want a cesarean section. I'll just say to them that we understand the risk of cesarean sections. It's not something that we like to just put on anyone lightly. So there has to be an element of trust, trusting that actually if we're advising it, it's coming from a place of actually your safety and baby's safety. Um, and being reassured in that as well, just trusting that we're, we're trying to, give you a good a good outcome no one it's not even like say for an example it, like in the uk it's nhs so it's not like we're making profit from you know giving making ladies have cesarean sections that they don't want um if anything it's you know it's it's more work for the doctors doing a cesarean section they're very happy when i get a lady and she comes in has a normal delivery i've not needed them once so it's not something that we is handed out like you know like like sweets that kind of thing so i think it's it's having that trust and um just believe um you know just believing that actually you know people are trying to advise me in the right way and you know the cesarean section is for a lot of people when it happens a, a life-saving intervention um, and I think when you have that mindset you kind of relax into it thinking actually you know what you know why am I fighting this you know um, and you know like we said you hear people talk about the Hebrew women and stuff like that and they you know bring it up you hear it in at like either baby showers or weddings that you would deliver like a Hebrew woman and people are like yes you know deliver normally normal delivery and I get why they do that but it's that kind of thing that adds more pressure on the whole thing of if you don't have a normal delivery you've not done it well you've not had that right of passage as a woman that kind of thing but it's it's like I said giving birth whether it's vaginally or via cesarean section you're giving birth <laughs> full stop so our aim is for you to go home like with a well a well mom and a well baby so just you know just remember that and don't don't fight something that could be a a, a welcomed intervention um but yeah i think i think i think that's what i'd say on that you know and i really love that and you said two amazing things that i, I i've literally just written down you said that whether you've had a cesarean section or not you've given birth 
Mm. And I really love that because a lot of times in our culture, we put this stigma on if a baby did not pass through your vaginal canal, you've not given mm-hmm. birth and that is not mm-hmm. labor, that is abnormal, or there's mm-hmm. a stigma attached to the baby. Mm-hmm. And then you also said something, you talked about how even when some women have a cesarean section, they then mm-hmm. don't talk about it and they mm-hmm. don't tell other people about it. Mm-hmm. And I think this also goes into why we have such bad health outcomes sometimes mm-hmm. because you feel, because we sometimes we lie to each other. Mm-hmm. We don't tell each other the truth. Yeah. And so someone else has had a cesarean section that was life-saving. She then mm-hmm. goes back for her second baby and has an elective cesarean section mm-hmm. and she's there with her two babies and she mm-hmm. goes to church or she goes to wherever and she testifies about how God was amazing and she delivered mm-hmm. and she was fine and blah, blah, blah. And then there you are, you have a complicated labor you have mm. an obstructed labor. You have a fibroid that is positioned in such mm. a horrible way that mm. is obstructing the birth canal and you're refusing mm. and then you have a worse health outcome. And mm. we then internalize that mm. and make it feel and feel as though, oh, it's my fault. Yeah. I, I wasn't able to deliver. My body yeah. wasn't able to deliver. What is yeah. wrong with me? Yeah. You may, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You just haven't mm-hmm. received the intervention that was there to save you to save the baby and you did not collect the right information Mm. from the right Mm. from the right sources yeah about how important it is to have the right information from the right sources and also Mm. to have a midwife Mm. or a doctor that has this understanding Mm. of how important it is for a black woman especially to have mm. these kind of conversations before mm. she starts approaching labor? Um, so I would say, like I said, communication is a big thing. So talk about it. Um, don't have that attitude of once anyone mentions the word cesarean section, you're like, God forbid. No, have a discussion about it. Um, you know, ask people, okay, what, what would be the instances in which I'd need cesarean section? Mm-hmm. It's um, like, it's almost just demystifying it so that it's not seen as a big, bad, bad thing that never should come near your door. And then unfortunately, when it's at your door, you completely freak out. So I think talking about it is really important. Um, also, like I said, preparing yourself so that, you know, health-wise, um, mind-wise so that you give yourself the best opportunity for a normal delivery you're doing you're doing the work there too um that's very important as well because obviously um black people there's health issues that that are known in you know our society that kind of thing are like um you know being obese diabetes things like that um not getting regular appointments that kind of thing are good good um, relationship with healthcare providers so it's doing all playing your part as well so if you're saying okay that's something you will never ever want you have to walk in line with that um so i think being healthy that kind of thing definitely helps but like i said there are cases where no matter how healthy you are the intervention of a cesarean section is needed so um like i said to you before keep on talking about it communication do your research around it you know, to speak to your fr- friends that have had children as well. Like, find out, find out if you know, depending on how close you are or how much they want to share. Like, what kind of delivery they had, or if you know someone that's had a section, ask them how it was. Um, there's like plenty of videos on YouTube, that kind of thing, like that will talk about it and you know, give you an informed, um, just good information about it. Um, but I think it's 
it's just to changing the balance in which it's in the way it's talked about or spoken about or the negative connotation that kind of thing um and like for me i always say like so obviously you know in baby showers you hear people saying like i said the hebrew women you'll deliver well and that kind of thing and obviously as a midwife i'm i'm all for women delivering not delivering normally but my main thing that i would say in a baby shower i always kind of say i just you know i um i just pray that the right people are around you at that time the Mm -hmm. right doctors the right midwives the right team that you can you know feel safe around do you know what i mean because there's no point in me saying oh this will never happen this will never happen and i'm all for you know talking well and that kind of thing but working in healthcare as well you've got to get that balance you really have to get that balance because you can go from a lady that has had you know the intervention of a cesarean section and you know she's thinking actually i'm so happy i've got my baby to a lady that is sat there at home a week later that's you know had a cesarean section struggling with depression thinking that she she let herself down she let her family down she let her, her body let her down she's 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 not given birth and i think the difference with that is how much information you have before it so if you see it as such a bad thing and that's the the you know the route that you've gone into how bad will you feel when you've had the section rather than actually if you saw it as you know what i'm chilled you know i go for a normal delivery if i need a section i have one i'm just happy that kind of mindset they cope so much better with the result of a cesarean section so it's just i think it's just changing your mindset and communication and speaking to people that are in the room if you're worried about a section and they bring the idea of a section even when you're in labor ask the doctor say actually have i got more time to decide this can you give me more time and if it's safe i've been in many rooms where ladies i can feel that they're struggling with the decision and as the midwife as the advocate i'll say actually you know if the baby's trace if the heart rate is okay can we can we have a few more minutes or can we give them one more hour that kind of thing and i think when we when people talk about it and women understand actually no this doctor isn't just forcing this on me they they're more more relaxed to the idea of actually they really do want me to have a normal delivery they're trying their best but also they want me to be safe so i think communication 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 and education educate yourself i really love that and you know inform, informed education is so important informed knowledge is so important getting the right information from mm-hmm. the right places is so important mm-hmm. i'm all for reading blogs and watching youtube yeah. videos of deliveries but what I've started noticing, especially with black influencers, mm. is there's so many deliveries of my no pain relief childbirth, my mm. my uh, no medication needed childbirth, my mm. no birthing experience. Mm. And that's all well and good. But mm. if you have somebody viewing that and they, they're holding on to that as gospel and mm. they don't have, you see, my thing is always about a balanced view when it yeah. comes to information it's so important and yeah. so getting your information from good sources that are open to actually mm-hmm. listening to everybody's point of view mm-hmm. so that you can mm-hmm. make an informed decision mm-hmm. unfortunately what we have with a lot of social media is that we have extreme views that often make the loudest noise mm-hmm. and that then suppresses the views of others or mm-hmm. forces them into having a specific viewpoint that yeah. might be detrimental to their health and well-being. So yeah. what would you say about that, especially this sort of war on 
painkillers in childbirth or what on epidurals, what on gas and air? Mm. What would you say about that? Um, again, I would say, you know, do, do your research um, just so that on the delivery day, you're not being presented with all these different options of pain relief that you never even thought you would ever need. Because when you're in pain as well, obviously, it's very difficult to, to make a, <laughs> a rational decision. So, <laughs> so I think it's important to obviously do your research and find out what other people use for pain relief. Find out what pain relief is available in the hospital you may be going to, because it varies as well. Um, I think also, you know, it's, it's all well and good, you know, hearing, you know, positive stories about no, no pain relief and, you know, um, hypnobirthing and stuff like that. So yeah, that's brilliant. And prepare yourself if you, if you're thinking of hypnobirthing, that's not something that you start practicing on the day. That's something that you, you, you know, you, you try and get into that mindset months before, months before. So it's preparation. Um, and also I think, um, with the, pain relief side of things and um, just making sure that you're not basing your story on someone else's um a lot of people and it, it, it's sad when i see it so obviously we have um things called birth plans which makes a lot of sense because it's kind of what people want um but i think unfortunately in the society that we're in um we're i don't want to say we're all control freaks but um we like <laughs> we like being in control um and unfortunately people bring that into the delivery room not understanding that actually even myself as a midwife i'm fighting fires so i don't know what's going to happen but i'm trained to deal with the problem at the time do you understand so nobody's really in control in quotation marks in that sense do you know what i mean um so this whole thing of, with the birth plans it's good to have a birth plan but in my head i always see it as it's more of a birth wish and if it's granted that's brilliant if it isn't that's your birth story but when you are going in with this is the plan this is what will happen especially if you're a first time mom and you've never delivered before that that is where i think okay we need to change that mindset in the sense of we need to be open open to options i again as a midwife i am all about you know doing things naturally trying my best to you know get coach the woman through giving her different like positions to get into that kind of thing but if I see that actually she's, she's not really coping too well, I will suggest, have you thought about pain relief? Not because I get commission for offering pain relief, because I'm thinking actually this is traumatizing your birth experience. Um, and actually I think the element of pain relief will relax you a little bit. You'll, you will, and it sounds weird saying you can enjoy it, but it doesn't have to be as traumatic as people think it it needs to be you know like obviously all the drama you see on one born every minute on soaps and stuff like that like it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be that you know that dramatic and um, you can still have you know a nice nice delivery experience and pain relief can help with that so it, for me it's like if it's there utilize it if you're not happy with certain options go for a different option but don't fight against it like you're only going to traumatize yourself if you don't if you don't need it you don't need it that is absolutely fine and i don't think it's not something i've ever seen i mean technically my like 12 years of doing it from being a student to now i've never seen pain relief pushed on someone that doesn't need it like if the woman is coping like we, we make that assessment and if she's coping well 
we just you know keep going it's when we think actually she might need something that's when we'll say okay are you thinking about paying relief have you thought about it what do you need so be open i think the best advice is be open regarding pain relief and again whatever pain relief you've had it doesn't take away from the fact that you've given birth so you're still an amazing woman you've still done a fantastic job take pain relief if you need it it's not it's not a curse it's not a sign of weakness it's actually a blessing to be to be able to give birth in a time where there's more options so you know just change change the way we think about these things um and i think that will help yeah that is that that is amazing and i really like what you said about the birth making it a birth wish not a birth plan mm. and i think the the wording around that as well really prepares you for what you're going into because if, if you're if you feel that it's a birth plan and it's going to be rigid and this is what it's going to be and this is how it's going to be and i'm mm. going to have 10 sandalwood candles and i'm going to have a water <laughs> you're laughing but you know it's true these are the ideas that sometimes people have going into childbirth mm. um and also not realizing that regardless of how well we plan, even with anything in life, regardless of how well we plan, there's some variables that yeah, just exactly. suddenly, suddenly come through. And especially in healthcare, when we're dealing mm-hmm. with a life and death situation, yeah, yeah, variables just come right through and we need to make the best decision for the moment, regardless of what the plan was. Exactly. Like I said, bring your candles. I'll help you light them if I can. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for you being relaxed, that kind of thing. But I'm, the main thing is open mind, having an open mind, just so that. I think I'm also, because a lot of the times people don't really talk about, you know, partners and stuff like that, what position they play in in childbirth and that kind of thing. And I think sometimes when you get ladies that are so set on the birth plan and no deviation from that plan, and they've been speaking about that plan for a long time, um, with partners, if all they've heard is this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. When it's time to actually let's, you know, review, is this working? Do we need something else? Partners sometimes get involved thinking actually, no, this is not what she wanted. And unfortunately, so I understand they're being an advocate, but it can be more obstructive Mm -hmm. because actually, no, the plan, it's, it's changed. So I think if both people speak about it and are both open-minded, then that definitely helps so that you've not been stuck on a certain path and a certain plan and it has to go to this plan. So suddenly when we're coming in saying, actually, you know, we might have to change this because this isn't working out too well. Your partner's not thinking, actually, no, this is not what she wanted. This is my time to step in. So if everyone's open, then it helps. And as a healthcare provider, we have to be open as well. So I'm not just saying patients have to be open. Like we have to be open. So for me, I work on delivery suite, but I am very open to try and normalize delivery, not like bring you in the room. I say, sit on the bed. I'm like, walk around. I'll go and find you a birthing ball. I'll go like, like I said, I'll help you, you know, switch on your candles if you want them on, create a nice atmosphere. I'm open to what you want as well. But again, we are fighting fires. So if something comes along where I'm like, actually, this will compromise your safety. If I carry on following to sticking to your plan, I will be doing you a disservice as the healthcare provider, as the midwife in ignoring that. Mm-hmm. And it's trusting that actually, I want the best for you, but I, I, there's an obligation I have to actually advise you well. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So in the, in, the, in the day and age where we have access to information, 
unfortunately, and you would know <laughs> as a doctor, you know, people come in and almost think that they know the role better than you. And I'm like, no, like you have to, you know, respect the experience and the knowledge that goes behind this role. So if, you tr if you're trusting of that, then you're naturally a bit more relaxed and open to actually us giving you suggestions and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, it's, it, and that is really important because when people go online or they go on YouTube, and the thing is when you receive, especially how the internet works as well, it shows you more information similar to what you've leaned towards before. And yeah. so the internet algorithms are not designed to give you a, a broad view. No, you're of, right. That's so true. Of, of options. So, you know, you've seen one hypnobirth video and then they show you another one and another one and another one and another one. And you mm -hmm. then don't get a balanced view of yeah. different potential. And so if you're not intentional about seeking balanced information, then you mm. will always, always have a lopsided view of anything related yeah. to healthcare, yeah. especially if you're getting your information online and not from a hard textbook or from mm. a lecture of yeah. experience in healthcare yeah. as well. And what, and you know what you said really about having a partner in the room who is sticking to the other partner's birth plan, mm. you know, in a really stringent way, what advice would you give to black dads to be? who are, you know, first time parents going into mm. the birth suite with their mm. partners or also how they can support mm. their, their partners, you know, in, in pregnancy mm. and going towards labor? Um, my advice would be, um, I think number one, um, being in the room. So sometimes obviously people can feel like, oh, they're not really doing anything or, or they feel a bit like a spare part in the delivery room. And I always tell dads, I'm like, honestly, you're not, you're not a spare part. Like you're the one person that once you are out of the room, she will know you've left. Mm. So I think it's taking that space and being confident in the fact that actually just being there is everything to your partner. Is like, you don't have to, you know, find different roles to do or different ways to feel like you're important. Even just your presence in that room yeah. holds an importance. So I think if you hold that in your head, that definitely helps. That's just to encourage them. Um, I think also, like I said, educate yourselves, do your research together um, be open about things as well. Um, and also um, be supportive. So whether it's physical support so rubbing her back you know giving her water nutrition that kind of thing um and then be supportive as in decisions that she may make that appear different to what you planned when she wasn't in pain when she wasn't in labor so you know respecting that actually she she still knows what's going on but actually she's feeling very different at that time being supportive of, of changes that happen in the room and just have it have feeling confident enough as well to have a voice um and and also know that you know we we do want to hear from from birth partners and we don't if you're not if you're not comfortable with something I, okay so as a health as a midwife i wouldn't feel comfortable if a partner was in the room and didn't think he could speak so like you know any concerns ask this you're, you know you're part of the experience so you know it's it's just you know feeling included that kind of thing but um knowing that you know you're not a spare part um your presence is everything do your research support 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 um you know 
look after yourself as well drink and eat <laughs> because you know it might be a you know you may be there for some time you know um so it's just it's just all all those things together but yeah i think the main thing is just being really supportive to your partner really supportive and that the support comes through changes it's not just one direction and that's the only way you can apply support it's applying support where the birth plan changes applying support when they're at home and they've had a delivery that you didn't think they should have had you know if we're talking about you know cultural and the stigma behind cesarean sections being supportive then the way you speak about it being supportive you know um when she's in a lot of, in a bit more more pain if she's had a cesarean section knowing that actually you know you're going to do more that kind of thing so it's it's been mal like malleable with all the changes that come with birth um, i think those are the best birth partners um, so yeah i think i don't know if that answers your question it really does that is really amazing and just as a championship point to round up because we've talked so much about you know speaking speaking about issues amongst ourselves um, you know, removing the stigma that is associated with things, seeking help early, you know, mm. sooner rather than later. What advice in regarding health would you give to women before they got pregnant? Um, I would say, so before they got pregnant, um, speak to your GP, preconceptual healthcare is very, very important. Um, just for things, so that we're not dealing with, I, I think when you, um, so if you're wanting a healthy pregnancy, the, the best way to do that is to prepare your body for it. Um, and I think preconceptual care is extremely important, but is not, not really thought about much, um, especially in the black community. Like um, in the black community, we, we a lot more of the, a lot of the women book late. Not, I don't want to generalize, but the issue of late bookers um, is more prevalent in the African community. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if a lot of them even book late, is preconceptual care even a thing as well? Do you know what I mean? Um, especially when we act like, you know, you, you, um, you know, you get married, you just have a baby, that kind of thing. But actually prepare yourself. Um, and it definitely helps in areas of high risk pregnancy. So, you know, things can be identified before, um, for example, things like fibroids, stuff like that. And people will tell you the risk of carrying this pregnancy or like early scans, things like that. It just definitely helps um, getting, you know, preconceptual healthcare. Um, I think that's that's the main thing just getting access to to things like that and looking after yourself you know trying to be healthy in in all areas you know physically and in the mind as well because pregnancy mentally can be a battle the, the just the whole aspect of you know you feeling that you know your body's doing one thing your head's doing another thing your body's changing all of that yeah. it's just it's important to actually be healthy in your mind too um and you know have a have a good relationship with you know your your gp you know see see like your nurse that kind of thing just so that actually you understand that you know there's there's good people in healthcare you know like i have a relationship with these people so you're not the only so that it's not like the only time you access healthcare is when you're in hospital when there's a problem people are forcing things up on you it's more scary i think if we actually have healthier relationships with you know healthcare providers that drops the guard down drops down the barriers and stuff like that for me like for me 
being younger so i you know i i suffered with asthma so i didn't i wasn't scared of hospitals because you know unfortunately it was a place that i had spent a lot of time in but that because i you know i've seen like great nurses great doctors and stuff like that i don't naturally have my back up thinking okay they're not for me and i understand in the you know black community through things that have happened and the way you know we've been treated in healthcare there's there is a lot of mistrust yeah. so it's not a made-up thing i'm not saying that you know people should just be you know they, they shouldn't have any issues i understand where the mistrust comes from i understand where people why people you know don't prioritize preconceptual care or you know in so for example if it's financially not so in the uk but in nigeria that kind of thing i understand why these issues have been created but let's move forward let's you know access things that are there for us and you know we deserve it as black people we deserve good healthcare. we deserve the opportunity to give birth with optimum health we deserve sound mind do you know what i mean and treat your body like you deserve you deserve it do you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah. That's what I yeah and i really love what you said about treating yourself as though you deserve it because i think sometimes mm. as well we we have been raised to be appreciate so appreciative of what mm. we have and what we've been given that mm. we don't want to ruffle any feathers because we don't mm. want to be ungrateful but mm. actually then that suffering in silence is actually causing more problems yeah. for you, for your children, for those who are around you. You know, if your mental health isn't great as a mom, it does mm. trickle down into the children who are around you. They do pick mm. up on little things that you don't realize are being passed through. If you don't mm. seek out, you know, good health care for yourself and all these things also manifest in even mm. our cancer outcomes. Yeah. Because you said, you know, late booking and, you know, yeah. Up late for booking but then also showing up late with your bleeding that you've been yeah. having every day in your stools yeah. for two years when yeah. you come in you know in the first two months when it happened the yeah. outcome would have been completely different than when you yeah. finally came in two years later when yeah. your children forced you to go in and these yeah. are these are the reasons that we're having these kind of conversations so that yeah. we can talk more about it trigger yeah. more conversation and open mm-hmm communication um, definitely we can have um, much better outcomes thank you so much to me for coming on today's episode oh no thank you <laughs> thank you for having me thank you for joining us on today's episode do share this podcast with two people who have not heard about us before remember that this podcast in no way replaces advice from your own doctor or physician Do subscribe and follow us on social media. Leave us a review on iTunes so that others can access the amazing content. And do join the club at aslicehealth.club and drop us some suggestions or questions that you might have. Don't forget to be a health champion wherever you go by separating health fact from health fiction.